Thank you, worship team. If you could turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And tonight, we continue the series, The War of the Worlds. And we're just hitting some topics about spiritual warfare. And I truly believe that the Lord has a word for us tonight. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the most famous battles... A, a famous war takes place here between Israel and the Philistines, and it comes down to this one act of combat between a young man named David and a big, scary dude named Goliath. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's quite a bit of the story that I want to hit on, and so let's start with verse seven, uh, 12 here in First Samuel chapter 17. The word of God reads, it says, Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Epaphrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three eldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemaiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions strutted in front of the Israelite army. And one day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. And he arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. And soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. And David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. Verse 23. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel, and the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. And David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply, and they said, Yes, this is the reward for killing him. And David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, and he was angry. What are you doing here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. 
What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question, and he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing, and he received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do that to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. And Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Verse 38. Then Saul gave David his armor, his own armor, a bronze of helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such a thing. I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off again and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. And then armed with only his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. I want you to tell your neighbor, he took five smooth stones and put them in his shepherd's bag. He took five smooth stones and put them in his shepherd's bag. Let's pray tonight. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we just ask that you would bless your word, my God. That you would bless, my God, this time that we are together here. I pray, Lord, that your word would become alive to us tonight. That it would be living and active within our hearts, our minds, and our souls. God, that this would not just be a word, but it would be a transformational word. God, that it would be a word of breakthrough and encouragement tonight, my God. Speak life into those of us tonight who come maybe heavy burdened or weary, God. I pray, Lord, that we would receive dynamic and key strategy to warfare. My God, for you have not called us, my God, to be defeated, but we are on the victor's side. Let us realize that tonight. Oh, Lord, I pray that fire would be renewed within us. We just ask in your mighty name and everybody said, amen. You may go ahead and have your seats tonight. And so he took the five smooth stones and he put them in his shepherd's bag. The title of the message tonight is The Man a Pebble Killed. The Man a Pebble Killed. You see, the story of David and Goliath is one of the most recognized stories in all of the Bible. It's told even outside of religious circumstance, religious circles. So they don't just talk about David and Goliath in church. David and Goliath is a story that has really become legendary. And it's told to children. And it is epitomized in animation and in movies and different things. You could even go to Six Flags. And one of the scariest rides to conquer there is Goliath. 
And I remember as a teenager, really, really young, I had such a fear of roller coasters. You could ask anyone who knew me at the time um, who remembers it really well as Pastor Greg Yelch. And I was terrified of roller coasters. I didn't even ride fast rides at Disneyland. I was really such a, a scaredy cat. So the youth, the gang, was planning this trip to Six Flags. And I think I was maybe, um, I had just gone into junior high. And so I was going to go with the gang. And, and being among the youngest in the group, I didn't want to seem like the lamest, right? You kind of want to prove yourself because you're like, okay, I'm part of the gang now. And, you know, everyone's going to kind of look and see, like, are you cool or not? You know, everyone kind of passes those judgment, which you're, you have the right to. So we were at Six Flags and we were getting ready to go on a ride. And I knew all, all the night before I couldn't sleep because I knew I was going to be faced with the dilemma. Would I actually get on the ride or not? And so we got there, and everybody knew that I was afraid, and some of the guys at the time kept teasing me and teasing me on, on the trip up there, and, and they were saying, you know, we'll, we'll take it easy at first. We'll ride, you know, a few rides, and we'll take it easy. And I don't know if it was that I was so overcome by fear that I wasn't paying attention where we were going and what lines we were getting in. You know those lines are really long. So you start in this like 90-minute line, and you don't realize, you forget what ride you're in line for almost. And so we got in line, and I didn't realize which roller coaster we were getting in line for. And, and it came up to our turn to go ahead and sit down in the roller coaster. And everybody went, and I kept kind of like just stepping back and let someone else go in front of me and stepping back. And, and then one of the girls at the time, she said, um, who are you going to sit with? I was like, oh, dang, this is really happening. <laughs> I got to sit down. I got to pick somebody to sit with. And so I, I think I sat with um, my friend, Julie, and, and she was telling me, you know, just take deep breaths, just take deep breaths. And so we got on that ride, and they strapped us in, and, and it's the, those big straps where you really feel like, wow, these are death-defying straps here, you know? What are we about to do? What's going to happen? And then the roller coaster kind of just started easing up. And you know those roller coasters don't start out too fast. Most of them really don't. They start out real slow, the climb up. So we start going up and up. And I remember just feeling I was literally shaking. And I, my mouth got dry and my eyes got kind of watery. And I'm like holding on for dear life as we're just going up. And, and then the ride started. We went down. I think it was Accelerator, or I'm not sure which one it was, but the ride went, and I loved it. The adrenaline, the speed, the, that's when I realized I like things that go fast. And I loved it. I got off the ride. You could ask Brandy. I got off the ride. I rode every roller coaster that day at the park. I loved it. And everybody was like, who are you? Shy, timid, really bashful Lorraine who doesn't say much, she's, you know, really quiet, went on every roller coaster. So then at the end of the night, some of the, you know, older uh, people in the gang said, you know what, we saved the best for last, we're going to go on Goliath. And I was like, okay, I'm down. What's Go- which one's Goliath? 
And you walk up to it, and at night it seems, you know, even more intimidating because they shoot the light up the big uh, drop there. And it's the ride in the park with the biggest drop, the scariest drop. And if you've ever rid, uh, rode on Goliath, it really is. It's one of those where when the drop comes and you go down, you're like suspended in the air and you feel like your face is right here to the floor. Like, if not for that harness, you would just drop. You would kind of, it's like death-defying, it feels like. And so we got in the line, and I remember Pastor Greg telling me, are you sure you want to ride Goliath? Are you sure you want to ride Goliath? Because you did a lot today, you know? Pat, you could pat yourself on the back. You survived. You did it, you know? Are you sure? And I just remember feeling like, yeah. I don't know why. And I don't know if I'm going to (laughs) survive, but yeah, I want to ride Goliath. And that whole day just really opened my eyes to how, how sometimes you can see the biggest obstacles and make them to be a lot more than what actually is what you're facing. And so Goliath at Six Flags, if you ever go, you've got to ride the ride. Amen. And so here in the Word of God, this story of David and Goliath, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, it's, it, it's a story full of dynamic strategy into the spirit, the realm of warfare where God takes us to defy, to defeat some pretty big enemies. And that's what was happening here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And you'll find that in the story, which we read quite a bit of it, Goliath was a man who was a really decent opponent for the Israelites. He stood there for 40 days taunting them. He would come and he would stand before them morning, noon, and night and defy them, defy not only them and their might and their army strength and their king and their country, but their God. And the Bible says he would curse their God and he would taunt them, anyone willing, anybody brave enough, anybody want to come and and, and fight, you know, take a stand. And tonight, as we kind of look at this story and and we take a little bit of an in-depth approach to it, I believe that God wants to give you and I strategy over the Goliaths that we face in our lives. I don't believe that this word may be for everyone, but it's a word tonight for those of you who sit here and you say that you have a holy, righteous anger, a spiritual indignation where you say enough is enough. At some point, because you see Israel, this was not the first time they faced the Philistines. In previous chapters, they had fought the Philistines, Saul and his son Jonathan, and they had had victory against the Philistines. This was not the first time. And so you may sit here and say, you know what, I've faced this Goliath a few times. I faced him in 2012. I faced him back in 2007. I remember back in 1993, right? You, this is not the first time you're facing Goliath. This is not the first time he stands before you and he taunts you. And he wants to defy who you are and who you are in God. 
And this word tonight, I believe God is going to give us some victory. Somebody say amen. You see, because David's victory here over Goliath, it is typical of the triumphs that God gives us over the enemy, over Satan himself. Over the powers of darkness, God was going to use David as a type of Christ, as a, as a forward to look into the future at what kind of victorious king they would have who would later become Jesus Christ, the Messiah. David was the least likely. David was the youngest. David was the weakest. David didn't have the seeming experience. In fact, this is not who they probably would have chosen to send to fight Goliath. But God in his sovereignty and God in his all-knowing infinite power set this up, a battle of the ages, the weakest and the smallest against the strongest and the most powerful. And so let's take a look at in, into this story. We find a little bit about David before chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. We find that this was a young man after God's own heart. This was a, a young man who was faithful at his post and obedient to his father. He was a shepherd boy. He went out into the pasture and he tended the sheep. That was his first initial job, his first initial responsibility. And he did it faithfully. He would go out there and he would write songs and spend time with the Lord. And the sheep, he took ownership. It was his responsibility. If one of them went astray, he went off to go find that sheep to bring him back to the flock. David took ownership. He was a man after God's own heart. In fact, in the chapters before, we also see that David was used in the court to help King Saul when he felt he was being tormented by evil spirits. He would come in and play the harp, melodies that soothed the king and filled him with the presence of God. David was a worshiper before he was a warrior. David had an intimate relationship with God before he faced Goliath. David also realized that if you can be faithful with the little, God then will trust you with much. Before this chapter, we also see that David had also been selected by God and anointed king of Israel. This happened before David faced Goliath. And you see that in David's process, in his journey to the throne, he never assumed any kind of position. In fact, when they went to war and King Saul didn't need his uh, instrumentation playing music for him, David didn't trip on it. David went back to where he was supposed to be. He went back to his father's house, back to tending the sheep. And tonight, in this, in this war, this is not the first time that we're facing Goliath. But sometimes in the kingdom of God, sometimes in ministry within the church, sometimes as we go through the process, we receive promises from God, we receive visions from God, we receive words from God, that you are this chosen generation, a royal priesthood for such a time as this, and we develop this palace, prince syndrome, princess syndrome, that now because God said I'm supposed to be this, I don't tend sheep anymore. 
You know what? I because God gave me this promise. You know, you should start to treat me as if I will be your king because the Lord said I was anointed. I was chosen. In fact, the prophet told Saul, King Saul, you know, told his even David's family, you look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And you see what fitted David for the throne was that he stayed humble and he remained a worshiper before he became the warrior king. And it's important in our process as we face Goliath that although God gives promises, we remember that we must go through a process and there's a price that must be paid. The greater the glory, the more of the anointing, the more power and the manifestation that is released, there must be a humility that rests upon God's people. And that's the kind of church that the unbelievers are looking for today. They're looking for a humble church. They're looking for a kind church, a gracious church, a church that's not full of negativity, that's not full of of members hating and forming cliques and talking behind people's backs. They're looking for those who are worshipers in spirit and in truth. And so like David, if we're going to defeat Goliath, If it's still time to tend sheep, tend the sheep, brother. If it's time that you go back to your father's house and you take your place out there in the pasture with the sheep, then be found faithful. Amen? And that is a key to the dynamic here of the warfare, is that you must stay at your post. When it's time and God sees fit that you are the chosen vessel he's about to use to display his power and to display his victorious glory, we must be at our post. And if that be ushering, then be the most faithful, the most punctual usher. And if that be on the worship, then you sing with all of your heart and on key and with a smile on your face. We must be found at our post. If we're going to be David's defeating Goliaths, that's the dynamic to spiritual warfare Be found faithful at your post. Tell your neighbor, are you at your post? This brings God honor. This brings God glory. He delights in that. That is why he said of David, you are a man after my own heart. And we find here that, you see, part of also the dynamic was that this was, like I said before, this was not the first time Israel fought the Philistines. And we find, too, as the church, part of the warfare dynamic here is that we must remember that while we are at our posts and while we are tending the sheep, that we must remember the enemy who wars against our soul. The enemy who is the prince of the air, he is watchful to take advantage. And the enemy of the church, he is watchful to take advantage. Because what happened here in 1 Samuel 17, Saul had committed a sin against God, which ultimately was disobedience. Because if you compare King Saul, who was the first ever anointed, appointed king of Israel, and then King David, who, was, who came after that, 
And you think, how did God bless David so much? And how did God call him a man after his own heart when David was a, 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 a wretched sinner? David committed adultery and conspired to murder. And how could God call that guy a man after his own heart? And yet Saul, he never really committed such sin. But Saul's sin was in his heart that he didn't trust God any longer. He wasn't going to obey God anymore. And so here in 1 Samuel 17, when the Israelites faced the Philistines and Goliath was there, the presence of the Lord had departed from Saul. The presence of God wasn't there. And you would think that the Philistines also knew that the prophet Samuel was no longer advising King Saul. And so they took it upon themselves to feel like, you know what? This is prime opportunity to strike and to take advantage. And we're going to bring out a familiar enemy and our most threatening enemy. And we're going to send Goliath against the Israelites. And so we can find ourselves in a church. And I'm not talking about this church. But the state of the church, especially within our nation, a church that seems to be asleep, a church that's no longer consulting with the prophet, a church that's no longer being led by the spirit, where the the spirit of the Lord has now departed. How do we live in a country where we're letting so much uh, uh, rights being given and so much toleration being preached and and the church seems to not be taking a stand because we don't want to be hypocrites and we don't want to be singled out and we don't want to we don't exactly maybe even know how to defend what we stand for as Christians, why we don't necessarily agree with gay marriage and why we don't agree with this and that, the legalization of marijuana and all of these kinds of things. We don't know how to take a stand. And so the enemy, in his tactic of presenting Goliath to us once again, he says, you know what? They've stopped consulting with the Holy Spirit. It's time to take advantage. Send Goliath. And that's where we are today, church. The enemy sees that. He sees the state of your prayer life. He knows the last time you sat down and you actually studied God's word. And he says, this is prime opportunity. Send Goliath. Send the same familiar giant she faced 10 years ago. Send that same hidden secret thing that he can't let go of, send Goliath what's familiar and what will cause them to be gripped with fear because Goliath is the biggest and he's the strongest. What will cause them to be terrorized, send Goliath. The Philistines knew that the spirit of the Lord had left King Saul. Tonight, church, That is the question. Have we allowed the Spirit of the Lord to depart from us as a body? And that is why, as we engage in warfare, we must take the stand that King, that David did at this time. That we cannot allow Goliath to defy not only the church, not only victory outreach, not only our local church here in Garden Grove, but to defy the God of the living armies. That's who 
the enemy is really engaging warfare in. He's engaging warfare against God, against what is right, what is true, what is pure, what is holy. And he's looking, the Lord is looking for someone who will say, here am I, send me, like we find David did. Amen? Another dynamic here in in spiritual warfare, we find that David, filled with the spiritual indignation, filled with a holy and a righteous anger, He shows up there at the camp and when he hears about Goliath taunting God's people and defying his God, he begins to speak up and he says, who is going to, who's going to go? Who's going to fight? Goliath is begging for someone to fight. Who will go? And we find in verse 28 that David's older brother hears about this and and the way that David's brother responds to him let's look at it there in verse 28 it says but when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men he was angry what are you doing here anyway he demanded what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of I know about your pride and deceit and you just want to see the battle And that's when David says, what have I done now? I was only asking a question. Another dynamic of spiritual warfare when we face Goliaths is you will show up to the battle and everybody you thought was with you and everybody who you would expect to be alongside you suddenly may not be there. And in fact, may question you. What do you think you're doing here? And where are those few sheep you're in charge of? This is a dynamic. This is a tactic of the enemy. And what he wants to do is he wants you to believe that you, can't, you are not the person for the job. That you can't do this. That it's almost like how... Uh, Naomi with Ruth and with Orpah and how circumstances led them to figure, were they going to be loyal to this woman? Were they going to be loyal to the the faith that they had? And, And Orpah leaves. But Ruth says to her, I will go wherever you go. And so at times when you are about to face Goliath, do not count it strange when people desert you. Do not count it strange when suddenly people speak up negatively about you. When all of a sudden you've got this crew and this crowd of people hating on you. Don't count it strange when people want to remind you you're just a shepherd boy. Why would you think you could go out to the field and fight Goliath? Don't count it strange, my friend. That is the dynamic of spiritual warfare. Sometimes, most of the time, you will face Goliath all by yourself. It's a battle only you stand before God. And we, and we, we can, it can mess us up. It can cause delay. It could grip your heart with fear. 
When you see those that you thought would be with you, you had reason to expect their support. You had reason to expect their position. You had reason to expect their their assistance. But you suddenly find yourself in a place where you they now become op- opposition toward you, who you thought were your friends, who you thought were your 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 co-laborers, who you thought had your back. But like David, He broke through that discouragement. And tonight, I believe this is a point in warfare for some someone who is sitting here tonight being discouraged, feeling you have been passed up, feeling you are being misunderstood, feeling that you have been wronged, feeling that you are being talked about. And I've come to tell you tonight on behalf of the Holy Spirit, yes, yes, and yes. Yes, you are being talked about. Yes, you have a reason to be discouraged. Yes, you have. Yes, you were wronged. Yes, you have been passed up. Yes, you were more qualified that for that position than she was. Yes, you should have been given that opportunity. But I've come to tell you that in the school of the Holy Spirit, sometimes he lets you feel a little bit alone. Sometimes you're in the valley all by yourself. Sometimes you sit there in the dark and you force yourself to pray because you know he is the God. He is not a man that he should lie, nor is he human that he changes his mind. Someone here tonight is discouraged and the Lord sent me to tell you that is just the tactic of Satan. And he wants you to break through that discouragement like David did. And so people who leave, let them go. People who hate, let them hate. People who want to be negative, let them stay negative, Nancy, because they will do it throughout this year and next year and the following year. But my friend, it's time for victory. It's time for those to rise up and face Goliath and say, you know what? Not today. No more. Enough defying my people and my God. So those you thought were going to make this trip with you, they may not. Amen? And here we find that what David did is he had no ill will toward his brother. David went on humbly with the work. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for those who will continue to go on humbly with the work of the ministry, with the vision. Go on humbly with the work. Go on with a sense of humility saying, you know what? I don't know how I'm still here. I should have been where he is now. I should have made that mistake that she did. I don't know why God is is merciful to me. I don't know why I wasn't exposed like so-and-so was. I don't know why I'm still around. I don't know how God brought me here and you realize that it's the humility of God and you remain grateful and you remain that worshiping warrior amen and so tonight as we go through a few of these closing thoughts in the strategy of the warfare we find that now David finds himself getting ready to face Goliath. King Saul gave him his armor and he put it on. And and in my translation, David says, I can't go in these. 
And there are some of us, as we continue to fight the good fight and we try to work out our salvation, you try to walk in the shoes that were not meant for you. You see, Pastor Bruce's shoes are not the shoes that God has called for you to walk in. Pastor Sonny's shoes, it's the same values and the same anointing, but not the same armor. It's not the same thing. The measure of faith for each of us is different, and only God gives out that measure of faith. And so what he wants for you to do is work at it. Work at knowing what are the weapons of warfare that you are a specialist in. Do you have that gift to intercede? Do you have that gift to fast diligently? Do you have that gift to break down the word where you speak life into people? And part of David's strategy, part of how God used him in the victory here, we find that what David did is he picked up what he knew he was good at. He had victory defeating the bear. He had victory defeating the lion. He was a shepherd boy. He was good with a pebble and a slingshot. And he walked out there with confidence. And this, this is the point tonight. Whose idea was it that David should fight Goliath? It wasn't King Saul's idea. It was not the whole Israelite army and the commanders who got together and said, fetch the shepherd boy, David. It was not the people who casted a vote and said, he shall use a slingshot and five pebbles. It was God's idea. This was a moment of destiny. This was a moment of sovereign, the sovereign, perfect will of God. Whose idea was it that you fight Goliath? Whose idea? Did you, did you wake up one morning and say, today will be the day I face my Goliath? Today, Goliath, be prepared. Here I come. <laughs> it's God. And you find that was the confidence in which this young shepherd boy walked in. He appeared full of confidence. That's why he even went before King, Dave, uh, King Saul and he said, don't worry about this Philistine. I will go fight him. Where did he get that idea? How did he know? And he picked up five pebbles. How did he know the first one was going to be the one? He didn't. He just knew who had called him. So then who already went before him? And tonight, I'm, I've come to remind you, if he's called you, then he's already gone before you. And so you may feel like your weaponry is not the most advanced, is not the sharpest, is not the most ready to execute this. But you have to know that God has already predetermined, ordained. Before the foundations of the earth, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Every day of your life was written before one of them came to be. And so the fact that you stand before Goliath. If you remember any thought from this message tonight, I pray it's this thought. That he who put into David's heart to fight Goliath is also he who put in his head which weapons to do it. 
So the one who put in your heart to fight Goliath is the one who will give you the wisdom which weapons to fight with. That's why David picked up those five smooth pebbles. That's why he didn't walk out there with the sword. That's why he ran. The Bible says this whole little instance here, David was running. David ran out to meet his brothers. He got there quickly. In fact, he didn't even have a camel to take his stuff. He carried it on his back. But he knew that if, if his father was saying to go, then he must go. That's where he must be. He ran out to meet his brothers. And then when he heard about the giant, he ran out to find more about this man who was defying his God. And then when he heard no one wanted to fight him, he ran to King Saul. And then when King Saul gave him the green light, he ran to meet Goliath. He had this confidence when he ran out there with a slingshot and pebbles, not a sword, not a helmet, not some guys behind him by himself. He knew that if God gave him this in his heart, then God would give him the wisdom. And tonight, I've come to confirm for someone the strategy with which you are going to defeat this Goliath. God is going to give you the wisdom exactly how to do it. The Goliath that has been facing your family, the Goliath that has been taunting to take your children, the Goliath that has been telling you you'll never reach your potential and your destiny, God is giving you the wisdom and the strategy, and it may take five little pebbles, and it may just be a slingshot, but you were in the shepherd's field, and you killed the bear, and you killed the lion, and if God be for you, who dare be against you? Tonight, as the worship team t comes, you see, when David finally stood there, and he stood and he faced Goliath, this was a cruel enemy. This was, he was a terrorist. And he even said to David, he said, what is this that you would, you would, you would send someone? The enemy will always remind you of who you think you are. The least likely. The weakest. Can't overcome temptation. Keep giving in to sin. The enemy will remind you of who you think you are. And you see, David stood there. And I want you just for a minute to imagine this, right? The story. There they are in this big valley. The two armies on each side. And now here they are in the middle. Goliath. Huge, monstrous, all fitted in this amazing armor. And young, small David. Dressed in his regular shepherd's clothes. With his slingshot. And with his bag carrying the pebbles. You see, Goliath knew, because everyone at the time knew that Israel was famous for their slingers. For those with slingshots. You see, in Judges, the Bible tells us that there were about 700 left-handed men who could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. 
So the enemy knows you've got a chance. There is a slight chance that you could hit this target. Because I've heard of those who've gone before you who were skilled in this kind of weaponry. And the enemy taunts us like that today. I know the leaders who've laid down their lives here. And I've heard they were skilled in slinging in weaponry. But you, not you. You maybe have a 10% chance of making this. And the enemy wants you to face up in that opposition. And he wants you to see that your chances are slim to none. Yes, I've heard of the things Victory Outreach has done before. I've heard of the victory. I've heard that there are those among you who are skilled. But you? Your chances are slim to none. But in this war, and in this day, and in this age, there is a Hebrew word, kalah. And that is the word that is used here in this victory. And kalah means this in ancient warfare. It means complete destruction, termination, full end, and annihilation. God directed that pebble. David had the faith to pick it up, put it in his bag, put it in the sling, get it ready, aim it. But it was God who directed that pebble. And the pebble hit smack dab in the enemy's forehead. Outfitted with the fullest armor, the only window for him to hit was that tiny window of his forehead. And there the pebble, it it sunk in. And he falls to the ground. And then David committed the Kalah act. And he went and he ran over to the enemy. And he made sure that he was dead. And he grabbed Goliath's own sword. And he cut his head off. Kalah. That is the kind of warfare God is looking for in the end times. Stand with me tonight. He's going to give you that Kalah anointing. That Goliath you are facing, total annihilation. I want you to see yourself. A complete end to this fight. Goliath no longer has that hold. It may be a 10% chance you've got, but it's God who directs the pebble. You may face the enemy and look him in the eye. But it's that Kalah anointing like David had.